Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting week. It kind of started out. We thought, well, we'll see what's going to happen. Then recession talk started to move in. We'll also talk about the fact it is a shortened holiday week. And hence, uh, Friday, there is no markets and folks are taking a three-day holiday weekend. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the farmer sales in Brazil. So question for our viewers and listeners, did you hear what you wanted to hear in that USDA report of last? And are you doing the same when it comes to the weather? We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more in this week's report. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me today is Heather Ramsey. Heather is with the ARC Group and Arlen Sudermu Stonex. And both of you, an interesting week, a shortened holiday week. So first of all, as we look at that, did you see that as some of the, maybe the pressures we saw moving into trade? And I guess, Arlen, the computer picked you uh, to talk first. <laughs> well, it, it was an interesting week because we started off the week much different than what we ended it. Uh, we started off the week worried about inflation with OPEC Plus coming out with their announcement. That was a surprise to the markets that they were going to cut production further. That's 3.66 million barrels per day cut now since November. Uh, and I think one of the things to realize and recognize that's important here is that one of the reasons for the cuts is that uh, many members of OPEC are having trouble meeting their current quotas. They're having trouble producing fast enough to meet those reduced quotas that they've had. So all of a sudden, the markets are worried about inflation and thinking, okay, the economy's resilient, so therefore, we're going to survive this. Demand's going to be okay, but inflation is sticky. So we're going to protect our portfolio by owning commodities. And so money poured into the energy and the grain and oilseed markets. And then on Tuesday, we started seeing a string of jobs numbers. They came each day the rest of the week. Each one of them came in poorer than what was expected, indicating to Wall Street that, oh, no, the economy is starting to fail. We are going into recession. Recession means less demand for commodities. Now, I, that may be true for energy. That's not necessarily true for the food and uh, the food commodities, uh, but we also produce energy commodities as well. So that created headwinds for the market. And suddenly traders are looking at the same supply and demand fundamentals through a different lens. And we went lower and they, we really did not have a supply and demand story that was strong enough to counter the selling. So we ended on a weak note. Well, Heather, for you, I mean, obviously a shortened week as well, but you've been having interesting conversations with, with your clients about old crop. And there's a lot of stragglers out there. It's not just stragglers in your neck of the woods. I'm hearing it across the nation. I mean, we talked about that at Commodity Classic time about the amount that was in the bins and it's still continuing into April. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a huge percentage of everyone's uh, portfolio, but what is left is held on to with tight little fists. Um, we don't want to let it go. And one of the downsides to just this kind of stored ignore mentality that's been going on with some of this grain is that we're missing the signs that the market is giving us. 
And that is that there is an inverse between the May and the July boards. And that tells you, I will pay you more for your grain now. So you can sit here and speculate on the tail end of your crop as much as you want. The market is giving you the sign to go ahead and sell it now. We're also seeing that on the basis side too. So not just futures, but basis as well has been set up to tell us that our strongest basis is in the front end of this market. And so from a cash standpoint, if futures are strong in the front and basis is strong in the front, it's all good. <laughs> so um, we've had some issues really parting with that grain. We have a psychological number in our head that we're looking for. And whether the market is going to give it to us or not, obviously, I, I'm not a you know forecaster. I don't have a crystal ball. But I will say the signs have been there to go ahead and take advantage of what we do have on the table. And I also like to equate that back to, you know, what did this cost this crop cost us? Uh, there is a huge profit margin, even at these levels. And I also look at what you're spending to get new crop ready to go in this field. That is um, maybe not as much of that money as borrowed this year to put the, the crop on the ground. But what is getting borrowed is at such a higher interest rate that you really got to ask yourself why you're not utilizing what's left in the bin to create some cash flow. So I uh, had a lot of discussions about old crop. Um, as Arlen alluded to, there's just headlines galore every day, up, down, sideways. And so if you don't have a consistent plan to kind of take advantage and execute what you're supposed to be doing during certain times of the year, you can get really clouded um, by that market reaction and then basically do nothing. And I like to remind my clients that no decision is still a decision. Um, and it's the same. You can be happy with it or mad about it the same as you can if you pull the trigger on something. So it, it still counts for making a decision that day. Uh, doing nothing does. So Arlen, do you think they're also closely watching what's happening in Brazil and, and wondering where their sales are going to be coming from and if it'll have an effect on the U.S. prices? I think the market's paying attention to that. I'm not sure how much U.S. farmers paying attention to it. Our latest data that we've got here a few days, a couple days ago uh, from Stonex Brazil. First of all, we raised the size of the crop another 3 million metric tons to 157.7 million metric tons. So that's a massive crop up by almost the same amount as what we shipped to China in all of last year, just the increase this year. And, and they're harvesting that crop. They don't have storage for all of it. Uh, they're, they're worried about these uh, charts turning lower as well. And so they're trying to sell off the combine. And our latest figures from our producer survey down there show there's about 3.1 billion bushels yet to be sold. And that's hitting the market. We're seeing basis rapidly decline in Brazil, indicating that the farmer is selling their supplies, increasing faster than, than what the demand is. And uh, they're chasing that market down. And that's a signal that we need to pay attention to. And the other factors that work here is interest rates, as Heather alluded to, with his interest rates being higher today than what they used to be, what we've experienced the last few years, that unsold grain is costing you interest income or costing you interest expense on any operating notes you may still have. You know, we're about a week out uh, past of the reports that came out on Friday and and you kind of alluded to how they're about kind of guys hear what they want to hear when it comes to that report. And I think that doesn't matter what type of report it is. They kind of focus in on what might affect their operation. Definitely. I mean, 
even as a risk manager, sometimes I'm, I'm hoping that I hear certain things in reports myself. You know, um, I want to have a very productive seasonal window to be pricing grain in. So I understand why we want to hear certain things and why we hang on to maybe the, the little piece that favors our opinion um, uh, for the farmer themselves. Uh, the reality is we're so blessed to have a report about every three to four weeks. So um, holding a lot of stock in one report doesn't necessarily, um, in my opinion, doesn't mean a whole lot anymore because we're going to get another one in three to four weeks. Um, I do think we're coming into planting, um, which means fairly soon for the row crop uh, corn and bean side of the world, we'll see our own crop um, progress and crop conditions. I do think the crop progress, crop excuse me, crop conditions on wheat are going to start um, holding a little bit more weight here as we try to digest like what abandonment um, acres, uh, what prevent plant plant acres than for row crops can look like at some point. But um, we've seen this numerous times where the farming community has a strong opinion of what's going on in their backyard. And that doesn't translate to the futures market. Uh, the futures market does not get... Um, backyarditis, I like to call it as much as the farmer does. Um, they are looking at technicals, they're looking at fundamentals, they're looking at, you know, what is going on in the charts, what's going on, you know, everywhere around the world all the time. And so we digest that much faster and more rapidly on the future side of things. Um, we don't tend to do um, a good job of realizing um, on the farmer end what the futures market actually cares about and then capitalizing on what the farmer can actually control and that would be you know localized demand opportunities um shipping windows and, and capabilities on there and um even something as simple as you know am i planting 109 day corn am i planting 115 day corn can make a really big difference for the farmer right now looking into this 2023 crop so those are the things i try to get them to focus on instead of trying to outguess the usda honestly so, so Arlen, as we uh, talk about other effects uh, with this grain market, McCarthy and the Taiwan discussion this week caught the eye uh, of China and earlier in the week maybe put a little bit of extra uncertainty for this trade. Yeah, absolutely. The interesting timing of it is, as China said, this is a red line in the sand you cannot cross. And we still met with them. Uh, not just McCarthy, but a bunch of other legislators with him. And that angered China. And they said that there will be retribution. But this all happened at a time when French President Macron was in China with 50 CEOs from various corporations. And so the question is, going into the weekend, is China simply waiting for them to depart before it takes action? We saw military action taking place, movement happening in the Taiwanese Strait uh, by both United States and by China. And this risks some type of accidental military conflict between the two sides. Um, so it does raise more risks for the commodity side of the market. At what point does something happen that triggers a response where we put on sanctions um, that result in them no longer buying commodities from us. So that is also a headline risk that the farmer who's unpriced has to be concerned about. The odds may be low, but the impact would be big if it does happen. Well, you guys both brought up some excellent points this week, and I know weather will continue 
to be a factor that we watch, especially for our folks in the winter wheat dust bowl areas of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. I appreciate both of you joining us this week. Thanks, Thank you. And just a reminder to folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.